This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Pixar's Soul. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi. How are you? Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. If you dig into movies via Moses Porter for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic, this is episode 433. 433. Oh, it's almost if like we did 432 just like an hour ago. Exactly. That that actually Feels is, like it. It, it actually is what happened. We this is, Oh, this, this is the, oh. If you're, if you're listening to this... Near the time we released it, you'll know that this came shortly after our recent review for uh, Wonder Woman 84. But we're not talking about it this week. We're talking about oh. Soul on this week's episode. The, I got some. The, the new Pixar film directed by Pete Docter. And joining us to talk <laughs> you got some. Joining us to talk Soul, we have from Endor Express. He's in between the great before and the great beyond, properly placed in the great present. It's David, yeah? Hello, hello. David, how are you doing this evening? Hello, David. Doing fine, doing all right. I don't nothing, you know. It's the end of the weekend, but uh, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? You having a good holiday season? Yeah, I mean, you know what? It, to be honest, it's not that much different. It's just more not going out. That's right. all. <laughs> yes, but it's also very warm for. <clears throat> Uh, for, compared to previous years where I would need to wear a coat, I'm actually wearing like t-shirts and shorts and, and everything. Are you in Hawaii right now? <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, okay. it's colder today, but uh, but it's been really warm for the yeah. season. Here, here's a fun game. This episode will probably drop either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. How's your New Year's going, David? Uh, oh, we're talking future cast here. <laughs> well, it's it's great. <laughs> Alrighty, that's all, that's all I needed. That's all I needed to hear. Let me tell you. I mean, yeah, that's terrific. Thanks. Dude. Yeah, everything's that's great. Everything update. opened up again, and uh, we're all <laughs> partying. No mask. It's great. Wow. That's a really optimistic <laughs> next few days. <laughs> I'm, I'm into this. I like this already. Um, all right. We need, we need David Adam to bring the optimism. He's the sunshine to this podcast. <laughs> That's, that's why I call Plenty it the sunshine. Plenty of beds. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get into this here. Let's get to some show notes. Uh, first up, we got a lot of shows coming. Uh, there is a top 10 show that will be coming in a few weeks' time, so be prepared for that because it's always fun to go over our favorite films of the years with various guests. And uh, we will be talking the Small Axe anthology of films as well in the time to come, along with other, some fun other bonus episodes we might have uh, brewing on the way here. So just keep your eyes out for that. I don't know if our new commentary track, um, which, David, you were on. You talked about the Star Wars The Force Awakens with us. I mean, did we talk about that movie or <laughs> talked about a lot of Star Wars? <laughs> we talked Wars. about a lot of Star Wars, that's for sure. You're not wrong. General Star Wars knowledge, yeah. for sure. But, uh, yeah, that commentary is out there. And just stay tuned for January where we have the start of a very long uh, series of uh, commentary runs involving the various Hannibal Lecter-related films. So uh, get ready. I'll get my Chianti. Good. All right. So oh, wow, that was really good. It caught me off guard. I was I've, like, "What is I've, that noise?" I've been doing that for years. I nailed that line. Um, all right. I'm sure that you do a great Clary Starling too. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, iTunes iTunes reviews and ratings. You gotta get those if you want to hear more of this nonsense and other other of our nonsense. You can log into iTunes, search around out there on an Abe, uh, search for, you know find our show and uh, give us a star rating and review. Yeah, please give us all the five stars. That'd be great. Okay, let's uh, let's move into uh, before we get into our main interview. Let's move into our other segment here. What we would have talked about this week were things not to go as planned according to David and still remain in this kind of desperate attempt to keep surviving throughout this terrible time that could have been much better if things were just taken a little bit more seriously early on. This is, of course... <laughs> they're going to call them the history books, Aaron? Yeah, that's, exactly that's, what you just it's, said a very long, it's a very long title for that chapter. Descriptive. <laughs> yeah. This is where I go over one of the movies that would have come out were things to be different in this post-Bloodshot world. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna describe this movie to you guys, and you gotta tell me if you're interested in it because this is what would have come out this week originally. The Tomorrow War. It is hmm. from director Chris McKay, who's responsible for two of the Lego movies, the Lego Movie, and he co-directed that, and uh, the Lego Batman movie, which was a solo directing movie, and along with a lot of Robot Chicken. So we've got that's his background. That's his whole thing. It star is a live action film. It stars Chris Pratt. Ivan Strahovski, Betty Gilpin, Sam Richardson, and J.K. Simmons. And the plot of this movie, humanity is losing a war to aliens, so scientists develop a way to draft soldiers from the past to help them fight this war. Interesting. Does that sound... I'm hearing interesting. What what does that sound like? I would would go see this movie, yes. Well, I would need to see some footage. But it, are you it, saying based on no footage, would I see this movie? Based off just this description of things, description. cast members, and what have you that I've just read to you. Chris Pratt is iffy, but J.K. Simmons, I'm in. There you that, go. That's how I feel, too. Plus, uh-huh. you know, the the concept of multiple soldiers across different timelines coming. It's like Bill and Ted, but with war, I guess. Exactly, right. exactly like that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but does it mean we lose the past wars that they're pulled out of? And if we or do an Avengers Endgame style and put them back where they were exactly. yeah. at the same point in time <laughs> that we took them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, but they've aged however long the war is. Well, see, I don't – sure. from the way it's described, it doesn't sound like it's time travel. It just sounds like they found a way to, like, bring them, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, they've developed them. <laughs> okay. Just, in the middle of a war, General Patton is just sucked up with a beam. That's what okay. I'm curious well, they, they... about. I'm very curious about that and the tone of a movie like this, where it's like there's a war. Yeah. Like you already got a war against the aliens. It's like okay, that's a lot right there. I've seen yeah. that a lot, but that's still like that seems like a movie. And then you're like, by the way, movie. how can we fight these guys? We got bigger weapons or something. How about instead we bring back like revolutionary war soldiers and guys with M6, M6 M M5 rifles or like whatever you would go out and like I don't know Mongolians because why not like just have a whole bunch of different things going. On. Yeah, I also need to know if this is rated PG or rated R. I mean, it's a big Paramount you know? movie that was supposed to come out on Christmas. That makes me think it was like a PG thirteen. Like, PG thirteen. Kind of. Yeah, because his his previous movies are cartoons. So yeah, exactly. So this. <laughs> And again, and again, you're casting Chris Pratt, so that makes me wonder what the tone of this is supposed to be. Is it supposed to be borderline right. serious, or is there like a comedic edge to a movie about about humanity fighting aliens by using soldiers from the past? I, I, need, I feel like I need a little they're, bit more there. They're, they're, they're pulling the DNA from past soldiers, and then they're, they're creating Serpentor, and uh, <laughs> they're going <laughs> to... Anyways. So yeah, well, I mean, maybe, I think maybe it's, it's like a Jurassic World level of... Right. Yeah, BD There's gonna be there. a video showing us why they how they got all the DNA from all these past soldiers. Yeah, bingo, soldiers. I'm DNA. you, John. <laughs> yeah, well, I, if anything is true, Aaron, uh, whoever wins, we lose. That, 
really the case. Uh, well, I yes, I, I am intrigued by this. I want to know what it's doing. But yeah, for, for now, we're not going to see that until it was come out, coming come out uh, now. But instead, it's now going to come out July 23rd. So next, hmm. this coming summer. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, well, let's move on from there. Let's get to our main review for Pixar's Soul. Music is all I think about. From the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I fall asleep at night, I was born to play. It's my reason for living. That should have been some of the trailer for Soul. Director Pete Docter has a couple of Oscars and now the title of Chief Creative Officer of Pixar to show he's earned a lot of credit in the animation world. His latest feature finds him and co-writer and co-director Kemp Powers telling a story about life, death, and jazz. Joe Gardner, voiced by Jamie Foxx, is a middle school music teacher who gets two job offers in one day, one being the chance that he's been waiting for, only to fall into a manhole. With his news, with his soul now trapped in between reality and another plane of existence, he attempts to do all he can to get back inside his body, eventually teaming up with Tina Fey's soul, 22, a cynical being to help. David... You tend to be more hesitant on Pete Docter's work compared to others. Where does Soul land for you? Soul? Uh, if you want my overall ranking already, I already put that out. Um, it's ranked number eight out of the 23 Pixar films. Well, very high, yeah. Hey, top third. It's relatively high, yeah. I mean, there. I, I kind of, okay, so this Onward also came out this year. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think about, but there's two Pixar movies this year. And while I do, I think I like Onward more, or resonated more with me, I do put Soul above Onward, just as overall kind of what it was trying to do and what it was able to do. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, top top 10. It, it, it kind of barely knocked uh, Onward out of the top 10, basically. Well, you want to lean into that a little bit before we also talk about it? What What, what is it that worked for you about Soul? Soul... Well, I mean, I, I I think a lot of it that makes it really interesting is that it represents other cultures that we don't see often in cartoons mm-hmm. or even Disney films. And that is getting kind of this um, this black American story with these characters that aren't really stereotypes. They're just kind of normal people. 
and they work in the barbershop or they work in a, in a, um, a tailor. It's like a seamstress. His, mm-hmm. You know, his, his mom works a, as a seamstress. And I love everything in those moments. And I've, I was also like really in, like in band when I was younger. So, I mean, <laughs> we were a lot better than that. So, it was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> did so, you also yeah. burst out into, you know, your own solos? No, I never do. Okay. We never. <laughs> I mean, we pretty much read what's on the page. We at that age, we don't have our own little. We, that just never happens. Yeah, but was, you know, it was, it was David No Improv. Yeah, that's what they called him back then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was always a like multiple. Is like there's a ton of us playing the same instruments. So, mm-hmm. but um, but it, it, you know, there there there's a sweetness to this movie. It's you know, it's really well intentioned. I mean, in all Pixar movies are well intentioned, but Soul seems to be a lot more simple in what they were trying to do overall compared to say inside out which got really muddy and a little you know a little too muddy for me but uh i really liked a lot of it there's a lot of things i don't really care for and i'll I'll let you guys kind of say a little bit more before i dive into that well i'll 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 piggyback off what you're saying already as far as the kind of you're, you're talking about simplicity and i don't disagree i feel like there is big ideas it's throwing out there but i think what makes me like this film more than inside out where i was i mean i like it i you i know you're not a big fan of it i like inside out i just wasn't over the moon for it the way others were but what i like about this movie by comparison is despite having these larger than life ideas or whatnot i i like that it felt fairly not boxed in but like fairly like within the within a a, a comprehensible world you're, you're watching joe gardner he's not going through this he's going through this kind of metaphysical adventure or what have you but like in terms of what he's ultimately trying to do it's i want to get back to this place and do this thing uh, there's more to it thematically than that but i like that it's somewhat small scale despite him having to travel through different like astral planes to figure out his meaning in all of this and overall right. I just, and overall i just really like this movie i really like the design of this world you're speaking of Yes, very much so as far as telling a story about black characters and the world they live in in this kind of New York that they've created here. I I really like just seeing, you know, the the little details they got to. There's a whole sequence in a barbershop, like you mentioned, that it's there's so much done without actually like, you know, laying it out to like explain what they're doing just as far as the culture goes hearing you know a tribe called quest on the soundtrack in the background seeing the little details of how the barbers are working the camaraderie like there's just all these little things that's just a bit of what this movie overall is doing and that's not even speaking of the kind of afterlife stuff there's a lot of films that deal with afterlife and existence or what have you that i really enjoy one being defending your life which is one of my favorite movies along with a much older film a matter of life and death and this is a film that it feels like Pete Doctor has seen a lot of these movies, obviously, and it's like found a way to do that for an animated feature. And I like what I like what he does with this world here. I like that there are rules, but I don't feel bogged down by how they're brought out, how things are supposed to make a level of sense with this. And I like the progression of this story because I feel like the the first half of it is a lot of commenting on life and how good is it anyway. And then the second half is like disproving this first half as far as all that cynicism that especially Tina Fey's character has. I'm going to show you why they're wrong, what life is, what the meaning of that can be, not the meaning, but what the what the what there is to cherish about having life. 
And I thought I thought that leads into what you're saying with these very positive messages and these kind of uh, the way you're supposed to look at things and what have you. I think it's incredibly well animated, as you'd expect, but it's still worth pointing out. And I think Jamie Foxx, especially as a lead character, once again, it's not like I forget that he's a good actor, but he's right. just a really good actor. And I think he's a terrific lead performance here. I think he does a great job with all the things that he has to do as Joe Gardner, all the various levels he has to go through. So I, I was I was I really like Soul a lot. I was. I tend to, you know, I like Pixar movies, Pete Doctor films tend to rank a little lower than me compared to Brad Bird's or Andrew Stanton's, but this one just really worked for me. It's my favorite of his films so far, but Abe, where where are you of Soul? You guys have said a lot of complimentary things about Soul, and and I'm pretty much on the same plane as you guys. I really like this movie. On the international, um, also, what, what's the thing? The soul plane? The astral, yeah. the soul plane as well. Astral. Yeah, <laughs> and the astral plane, yes. All, all these things combined. Um, so we have an XYZ axis uh, in math terms. Um, but it's uh, it's a movie that I think, Aaron, you touched upon this. It's simple, and David, you as well. It's simple in its story. It's a story about a single person going through a traumatic event and then dealing with the aftermath of it, but not in a heavy-handed way. Like It actually deals with these things. It actually goes more into depth into them, uh, is what I should say. As the story unfolds, and I appreciate that because nothing is really over the top. Aaron, we talked about this with Wonder Woman in '84. It's uh, that movie is not like uh, a movie about cynicism. Mm-hmm. Neither is this movie. This movie is super positive about everything. Like even all the help that that um, that uh, uh, Jamie Foxx's character Joe gets from all the all the Terrys in the, the world, you know, like and the Jerrys. Yeah, they're they're very kind. They're very like, hey, by the way, you know, this might not be it, but also here's what else you could do. Um, and what I like about it is uh, another aspect that you touched on, Aaron, is it's a great story about New York. <laughs> like, uh, there's no there's no way to say it. Like, we've seen a lot of Pixar movies about California because they're located in Emeryville, so you see a lot of Bay things, right? But you know, I love this simplicity, but also authenticity to New York, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, you know, different types of streets, and also like I'm talking about like cobblestone versus like paved and then the different people that you see on the street and whatever else like when i'm thinking about this versus something like secret life of pets i'm like that movie is just it's yes it's new york but it's also like a cartoonish new york whereas this one's like it actually feels like a lived in new york where joe is a real character that i can really relate to he works at like a public school ps 177 or whatever um and yeah he's just going through life what i I liken this to is a show that came out on amazon prime this past year called upload um, yeah. where it's also a similar thing where, hey, what what is this afterlife and how do I deal with things? Um, but ultimately, what we get down to is the story is very kind in, like, you know, Aaron stumbled upon some some words earlier, which, and rightfully so, in that it's not about how you, you like, you it, it's not about your meaning of life. It's more of like the urge to, live life and the urge to you know want to spend every moment yeah live it to its exploring, fullest exploring yeah the totality of life in itself is what makes life so incredible and that shit hit me like a fucking you know truck you know i, I, I agree like, is, like the you know not to get into the ending but like the final moments of this film as far as the kind of not necessarily philosophizing but kind of summing up what joe has learned in all of this right it got to me in a way where you know the pixar movies can 
get emotion out of you and generally it has to do with choices characters make related to other characters where this is like intensely personal to joe and i fell right. for it i fell entirely for it it got it, got, well, it nailed I mean, me yeah and and not only that maybe even prior to that there's just some scenes where they just show you how joe views things how he talks to people and then how he you know as 22 views all these other things i'm like this is exactly what life is all about too you know like little moments that don't really mean a lot to you, but when you perceive them uh, as a third-party person, you're just like, yeah, it's really cool that these people, these friends are having conversations over lunch or, you know, this baby is having a hard time or whatever the case is. You know, I love the 22 stuff. And and this is my last point is is this in general summation. Um, they don't beat you over the head with the fish out of water stuff uh-huh. because uh, I think in the wrong hands, um, that could go, that could be the extent of the story. But instead, it's like, you know, some parts of it and 22 gets it very quickly, you know, and I, I like that about it. So it's a simple story. It's executed very well. I think I'm, I'm with David that it's, it's not like the most emotionally uh, connected to me. And it's also probably not in my top, like top three. Um, but it, it is worthy of one of the better moniker of one of the better Pixar movies. Like for, for example, like David, you brought up um, onward. I think onward doesn't stick its landing this one does, but also there's like um, probably uh, a lot more emotional ties with Onward that I liked more. But again, just doesn't stick. Slain. So I, I liked on, I liked Soul, um, and I liked the way that it's executed. We said all these things about Soul, and we didn't mention one of the most important aspects of it. The music is phenomenal in this movie. <laughs> the, sure, yeah. The, yeah. the jazz is like like we're using um uh, uh, Batiste, John Batiste. John Batiste. Yeah. Uh, John Batiste. Yeah, and, the, and, and then you and then you have Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing like the the the, comp- the compositions for like the Great Beyond stuff, or and just like the score in general. It's fantastic, and it plays yeah. with and against each other at the same time in ways that are creative. The whole I mean, the jazz is already like great, just you know when they're jazzing, obviously. <laughs> um, but, is that what the verb is when they're jazzing? Well, that's what that's what twenty two says. When they're, jazz, they're jazzing, uh, but like when when you know that's on display and you're seeing like what Joe's talent is and how like how it is that he's in this position, yet you you get like wh- why he's been waiting for his chance, like that's great. But then when it like takes you into this other you know world, this great beyond and the great before music it's not only on the soundtrack it's in, it's like a part of the world like you're watching them enter this place and when he's like hitting things you're, you're hearing comp- you're hearing new notes and whatnot to like really i think it's it's emphasizing how as the jerry's explain it's not that you know it's not that they like exist in a certain form they're just taking a shape so joe can understand that better so he can like visualize what's taking place here, but there's really nothing there. It's just abstract, and I feel like that's what the score is trying to communicate as well. It's like everything's everything in this other world, and it's, it has to like find a way to come out. And I, like that's the kind of stuff where that's less about me critic, you know, analyzing the film, and just more of like the stuff I like thinking about after the fact. And so sure. I just yeah. I, I thought that was just you know, in addition to getting a movie about a jazz musician trying to like do all this jazz. I'm also getting this like otherworldly thing that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor somehow have to figure out. Like they're being told by 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 Pete Doctor, "Hey, I'm making a world where people are in this like world dimension of souls. Make a score to that." And they're like, "Okay," and they did it, and it's great. And, and it, it's it just, like, really well. <laughs> I'm just continually impressed by what these guys seem to be yeah. able to do as far as composing music for films. Yeah, David, we, we all three of us have been effusive in, in praise for it. I, I want to get in to open the door toward some of the things that probably didn't work for us. Um, and I know, you know that you, or I know that you mentioned something earlier. I'd love to have you start that conversation. 
Uh, there's there's kind of well there's a lot because uh, it took me I would say when I first watched this I watched this maybe four times now four four wow. plus we, we've we've had screeners for over a week so <laughs> I've had a chance to really dive in and I've seen it twice. the second time was more about like looking for Easter eggs and something like sure. that but my did you find the did you find the Pizza Planet truck I did it's in the Hall of Everything there you go <laughs> um, <laughs> and. Uh, I was hoping for to see it in in New York somewhere, but it's not. But uh, too easy. The, that's a, that's what Pete Doctor said. Yeah. <laughs> so so there was a, there's kind of a thing where this is the first black lead in a Pixar movie, or uh, you know, in a most in a lot of Disney cartoons, there's you know there's only Princess and the Frog, and there's the short John Henry. Um, but to for this one, I was really just really into it right from the get go. And wanted to follow this movie. I could have done a whole. There's a, there's a really great movie here without all of the the soul, soul stuff. stuff. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Or to drop into it so soon before even the opening credits, I was just like, man, they they Princess and the Frog did already. <laughs> and I, I hear what you're saying. And uh, you know it it I stuck with it, but I was really annoyed. That was my first my first time seeing it. And then I was like, okay, they get out of that. And all right, they're back into their bodies. But now he's in a cat. And we're learning kind of his experience through a white lady in his body. So, I sure. mean, but, it, you know, there's there's a lot of beautiful moments in those scenes, too. And I, I really do like Tina Fey's performance in this. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, it, it, you know, Pixar kind of does this. And especially Pete Docker movies where... He wants to take you somewhere that you you don't want to go, and in Inside Out, I really hated where he took us, and in this movie, in Up, even, I I was there until we got to South America, and then he just kind of lost me. Yeah. And for this one, so I was like, okay, this is not as bad as those other <laughs> other two, but when we finally kind of got things going with um, him and his mom that relationship kind of going and we kind of they kind of cheated that scene a little bit by taking out the whole translating and listening to the cat tell her what I don't to think say that's cheating it i think it's just it's the pro it's that's not i don't i, I would consider that cheating it i i feel like well, there, it, there's a there's an acceptance you take because it makes more it, it's it registers better i think hearing it out of jamie fox's mouth than yes to hear this double speak. right <laughs> which is well i mean if if it really happened we'd be waiting for the cat to tell him what to say and then there would like, so there'd I, be a I, lot of fun. I think the direction of that scene is is sufficient to be like okay cool oh, no. i like what they're doing here sure i, I like i liked it too so i mean maybe okay maybe cheating is not the the best word but it's kind of a cheat <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway could have been executed but, I mean, differently yeah yeah well i mean it's one way to get the voice of jamie fox out of it rather than tina Fey's, and but I guess everybody else was hearing Jamie Foxx's voice anyway. But well, we're that's here. the kind of thing where you got to remember: this is also a movie for kids. Like I, I feel like it, it's doing the sufficient work to get out like an important message that he's trying to tell his mom. At the same time, right? You still have kids no. that are like you, you got to like really show them. Okay, this is how you've been hearing it. But by the way, remember he is. It is this is how he sounds like to everybody else. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. No, he, I mean, it's funny. It, they it is funny that. because there there were moments where. I, they haven't brought. They haven't had anyone look at him weird for talking to his cat the whole time. <laughs> That's New York, baby. 
not even like a, a weird glance. Especially like, the like, subway. That's like that's where that's weird central. <laughs> yeah, but you know, a weird glance. Any, any. You do give a weird glance. What do you what, like? The cat sits down on the subway, and the guy's like, "Get that guy." All right. She she, she moves over one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you do see that it goes in and out because you do see some parts where the cat, you hear the cat just meowing and shrieking and then other times you're like I, is this cat also meowing and shrieking as he's talking to his mom yeah. and then you're also totally. hearing joe's voice uh, i don't know but you know it, it plays fast and loose with that but that's okay because at yeah. the end of the day i think that you know your your point is actually well taken because there are those questions that i have as well um right but i think the other thing that i wanted to point out was um you know, I mentioned that this is sort of like upload from Amazon Prime and in upload there's also like this other part of the other world that you can go to. It's like beyond the boundaries kind of thing. Um, and I, I I I don't know how I feel about it just yet. I'm still like ingest ingesting, digesting, whatever. I, I'm still like processing the that part of the movie about these lost souls. Um, I have issues with the soul world. Yeah, that that's kind of like I don't know if it's issues or again, it's still processing, but that's where I'm just like, I don't it's not that it doesn't work. It's just more that I I'm curious how this there, part does work because they're not logic, actually people there's, that are there's dead. a lot of lo- there's a lot of logic that they're breaking here. Mm-hmm. And um, just to jump to the main one that I have is that when when he's playing the piano at the end towards the end and he gets into the zone, sure. and, um, Moonwind kind of pulls him out and then now he's dead. <laughs> it's like wait he's in the zone you know he should just be able to wake up right we don't necessarily but, know that he's i mean it's not i don't think it's breaking logic it's just the story's not it's not going down certain avenues i feel like if you ask pete doctor these questions he has answers to all of them it's just like it's trying to tell a specific story sure i mean of course peter doctor i call him peter because we're not that close um <laughs> but i'm sure that peter doctor and i would have a great conversation about I, I don't disagree uh, with you that the the soul world is inherently less interesting to me than the actual world and that the kind of the the means to an ends by having a not necessarily a villain but having a kind of an area you have to triumph over like that stuff is like okay like I get what you're doing but it doesn't like it, it's not a, I don't find as much interest in it or at least I don't have like there's too many questions I have to be uh, find this appealing compared to the other stuff going on in this film right and then yeah. you know if, if if a cat already has a soul should another soul be able to fall into it and knock that one out was thinking the same thing toward the end yeah and then the the cat is now dead but yet it's alive again I feel like it, the cat could be dead dead but Unless maybe maybe we're forgetting the nine lives thing David well, uh, I, I, yeah, but yeah. Well, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't. There's not an animal handbook that like helps clarify that, I suppose. He, he didn't get it from the Beetlejuice thing. What? No, nothing. <laughs> oh, I was just saying, like, does the cat get pulled back out of the of the great beyond or is there another soul for the other lives? You know, there's like there's just too many little things. And there was it was played for a gag, really. Like, it's kind of cool. funny. You chuckle when you see the cat in the, on the escalator there and then but then it's like he comes back later it's like wait a minute (laughs) yeah and i I think like all of these things combined is why it's it's not a top three top five pixar movie for me yeah so like we we expect things to be perfect from pixar which is unfortunate too because it is very good movie for sure we've all said 
Um, I'm not but, looking to expect perfection. I'm looking to get a movie that I really enjoy, that I enjoy overall. I mean, not I can pick apart any of these movies. Like, I don't think that we're saying perfection in the like it's a perfect ten kind of thing. I think it's just more. You like, are though. I, think, I mean, if you're saying it's it's not top three Pixar because it's not perfect, that's saying it's not a perfect ten. Yeah, well, but I'm not expecting like a movie to like. Is there even like a perfect ten movie? I should ask you. Well, the I, I feel like there's a lot there's of a diff, there's a diff, that's a different there's two different questions there. Is like, are you asking is there a movie that's entirely perfect? Because that's impossible in my opinion. Is exactly. There a movie, is there a movie that's then your logic yes. is, then your question is answered. Like, there's no perfect movie. But what I'm saying is that we, I, I think that I like a lot of movies that have a good uh, rise fall redemption type storyline and ties up all its loose ends. Again, this one just doesn't tie up all its loose ends. Or maybe there's like more questions that arise. Um, that I, I'm not able to to um, forget about. And that's fair. I, what I'm saying is that, like my I don't have any lingering questions I have for this, given everything else that's going on that sure. I'm just more satisfied by. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just I, yeah, I think for me, there'd be just like it'd just be directorial choices that they made that I don't entirely disagree with. <laughs> you know, the way they ended the movie kind of, you know, he. There, there's kind of two things going on here. There's the, there's Joe who had, who has a, a a goal for his life. He he loves life and he's just trying to get there. He's just not there yet. And then you have 22 who is not wanting to live life. Sure. And I think by the end of the movie, 22 is definitely resolved. But I don't know if Joe is. Like he he's just like I'm gonna live life better now, but I think he was living life to his fullest anyway. I don't think he was though. I think that's the whole. Pl- I mean, he's we spent the movie knowing that he wasn't really life to the fullest. Well, I yeah, I also I also thought I could have gone in a different direction as well, which is um, I'm clearly not maximizing this. Therefore, 22 uh, is probably a more worthy person to have this. Um, and I thought that he he kind of came to acceptance of it, which is which the whole entire piano feeling at the end there i was like okay cool i i understand that part um but then you know he chooses um other avenues and that that it's not that it's a problem it's just more of oh well huh okay that that's like what you said um uh, david that's like a directorial choice so i was like okay i guess so pete yeah peter peter doctor um thanks for that directorial <laughs> choice right like he would he would play the whole jazz concert with a pizza crust in his pocket <laughs> very charming things by the way those are very charming things and an unopened lollipop so yeah. gross <laughs> I, I also I mean, want to ask open. you guys yeah I mean he also I think it was like opened yeah yeah, yeah it was open uh, and sucked on yeah <laughs> I want to ask you guys about uh, what you guys thought about it's actually not even a villain but it's more just like I wouldn't even say antagonist because again like 84 there's not really a, a huge antagonist per se um it's just more of like I, I'm curious what you guys thought about that that arc in the in the story of just this Are person. You talking about Terry? Terry. Yeah. Because yeah, Terry. Really, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say because Terry, I there's some things that <laughs> Terry is is doing, and I'm just like I don't know what happened here, but I'm scared of what his powers are. Um, because he he kind of like gives a glimpse, I guess, to somebody who is is a mistake. I'm like well, I don't know what's to- happening. He kills a guy. Yeah, he temporarily kills a person, essentially. That's what happens. He takes their soul out. And then, <laughs> that's... And then he's like, just keep this between us. 
I mean, it's clear they have. They, like, they, I'm they, so I scared. Mean, I mean, it's it's alarming if you th- if you just keep thinking about it. But in terms of like what it's presented to you, it's like yeah, they're all they're beings of <laughs> of this. Like this is what they can do. Like this is what they're mm-hmm. capable of. They get it think... back. Like <laughs> <laughs> they gave it back. Yeah. I think what bothered me about. I, I mean, I, first of all, I really love the ab- abstract nature of those beings. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Uh-huh. It reminds me of like different... the that I've seen before as well, like Picassos and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's what lends itself to the simplicity of the Soul World, which is part of what makes us think that this movie is simple, but it's really not. And mm-hmm. it's just the, the minimalist nature of that world. I well, think again, that's, that's that's a big part of why I like it. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it, if it wanted and why I don't feel like there's I don't think there's anything in here that is not being explained that doesn't want to be explained. I think he's he's telling you exactly the story he wants to tell, but he, you know, has this world mapped out as far as I right. was, as far as yeah. what the internal and, and, logic of it is. Yeah. And casting Richard Ayoade is is always great. Oh yeah, that's always a genius move. <laughs> but um but uh, back to Terry, um you know, it's funny because like when he's he's there counting the souls, and for me, I would just be standing there noticing, running that he shouldn't be there, and I was like, well, you missed the soul right there. He was calling out why he's, you know, disappearing. So I don't know that <laughs> that, that part is his of... job. He shouldn't have won the award. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that well, that he, that's his character him. right there. He's arrogant. I mean that's why he missed it because he's like everything's in order. Why wouldn't it be? Like that's it's like yeah. He's, yeah. I'm doing my job because I'm amazing at it. I couldn't miss anything. That's ridiculous. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why he becomes an antagonist because something's defying his logic. Right. Yeah. But I I liked it. What what was your uh, your take, Abe? I I I liked it in that it wasn't really a bad guy. I just was curious, like how I guess it's operative actions that this character can do i was like i don't know if we necessarily needed like this chase um like i don't know if he had to like beam down to earth kind of d- to do his thing kind of thing but i guess otherwise what would the what would the conflict what would the additional well, yeah, time logic conflict be that's what it comes down to like you have a ticking clock already as far as joe needs to get back to his body at a certain time but like by the time they're in a certain position you're like there's not you need to have something there so it's like yeah there's also this other character that's looking for things like I, I get why there's a need there what i'm happier with is that it didn't need like terry to become some kind of ultimate bad that like, joe and 22 yeah, that, had to fight off was... or something or or is like exactly. secretly secretly evil among the other beings or whatever well, not even like... that fight off more just like oh he's more he's just more aggressive than he needs to be and he isn't it's just more like you know that that particular tangent of this storyline i'm just like i don't I, it's not that i it's not that it's useless but it's also like i probably could have it probably could have been excised um to some degree um one thing that you guys mentioned that i really liked too is that because peter doctor knows where he's going with this uh-huh. um i love that there's some existential questions here that he answers with yeah. well your mind is too simple so i've created myself in this figure for you to understand and just call me jerry um and then the other part that i really love is at the end when um uh, like it essentially boils down to you silly goose. We don't give anybody the the option to like uh, choose how they want to live life before you live it. Like your mind is so simple. And I'm just like, the more, the older that I get, the more I'm just like, this makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> so, um, 
essentially philosophically speaking, Pixar has grown with me is is I guess what it boils down to. And I'm glad I'm I'm glad that these things are are growing with the core audience that they first began with with like the Toy Story franchise. Um and you know, these questions uh, about what is the meaning, whatever it's like, it's not really about that. Like that's that is a very simple way to look at life. Like if you're still asking yourself, like, well, what is my purpose here? It's like your purpose is whatever you want it to be, you know, like I, I can't answer that for you and neither can anybody else. It's just more of like go experience life and, and you'll find something and you'll be great at it. It's it's the way the film positions those thoughts and these life affirming motions that like it's that stuff that like keeps me out of the weeds when it comes to questioning the logic of the world where my issue by comparison with Inside Out was I wanted the I think, David, you had this thought too like I wanted the, you know, the outer life of the little girl to feel like yeah riley to match up with the stuff going on inside and i don't think the film did a good job of giving me things that made sense to me if i was outside of the mind as opposed to what's going on inside of the mind where i think this film right it's it's far less concerned with how that aspect of the film works it's not i'm not saying it's one and the same but i feel like the you know when i'm in new york whether it's with you know cat version of joe or what have you like all of that stuff i kept like i was I was so into like that, you know, what's going on there as far as 22 learning about life and finding out the reasons that this is, you know, it's great to be on earth and what have you like that stuff just kept hitting me in a way that just felt good. <laughs> just suffice to say, uh, you know, for lack of a better way of like reasoning that out where I, I didn't feel like the, inter- I, I needed to like find myself questioning, like, wait, so how does like souls in a cat work or whatnot? Like those questions just mm-hmm. didn't, those weren't occurring to me watching this movie. Cause I was just too into what it was trying to do with that. Along with like just little details again, like having, like I, I, I'm a big fan of the singer, Cody Chestnut, who appears in this film as the singer in the subway with the guitar. And it was like, I can't believe there's a Pixar movie right now. That's not only had like a tribe called quest and Erica Badu tracks on the soundtrack, but has Cody Chestnut just performing a song. It's like, there's this stuff here that's just like thought out. And just when reading the credits, when I saw like all these, you know, special mentions of people that like, I, helped I, in the I screenplay, that I, that was stuff where it's like, yeah, that makes sense to me because it feels like there's like actual input, not unlike Coco, when they you know had many trips to mexico and had all these different consultants or what have you to really make it as authentic as possible that seems very much the same here with soul as well and i just really like appreciated that additional aspect of the film yeah i, I, I wonder when that up oh go ahead david i i just i think that's that's what saved the movie can you imagine there was probably a version of this before it became black lead where you know because it came yeah. from the mind of the doctor Sure. And it went through some trials before it got to here. And I think it's what makes this movie more interesting because I just can you just imagine the the just seeing this? But, you know, Tina without, Fey's maybe. And, yeah. Without having a, you know, any flavor to it, essentially. Yeah. Like having yeah, right. uh, especially in a world that's like New York, it's like, OK, yeah, I've seen white guys before. Like, I mean, there's just something that's inherently right, more right. interesting by having, yeah, a lead of color that, you know, can do something different than what you normally kind of get with this. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I think the, to, to your point of the simplicity compared to inside out is that if they're, if you're seeing soul Joe, that means he's dead and we're focusing on soul Joe. And then we go back to the live version versus uh, inside out where it's like, you got five characters in her brain that just aren't really communicating properly what she's doing on the outside, which is what right. you said. But yeah, it's just, I mean, except for like anger, probably. Yeah, it, but it's also a mess because there's no, 
you know, there's a, there, it's, it's missing a lot of aspects of the brain that we all know are there. And right. it's kind of a dumbed down version of it just, just for the movie. Yeah. And, now that, yeah. Like to, to tangent on that very quickly, I, I, that is something that is super unfortunate because Aaron, I'm thinking about everything that goes on in that movie in inside out. And to your point, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know why we're so focused on like everything that's happening here inside our head and not seeing like we're seeing glimpses of her throwing a tantrum and getting sad in her external life. But shouldn't it be related one to one? So I just because I don't I don't want to get us too far in the weeds on another movie. But I, I just no, no, because I, I, no. I because I know, you know, it's not like it's not like it's an unlike movie. It You know, it won the Oscar or whatever. There's plenty of people that probably have exact arguments debating what we're saying right here. You're challenging not, what we're yeah. saying. But, we're definitely not like hating on it. We're just saying that. Well, David some... is because David hates inside. <laughs> I really do. But I mean, it's because of, if you took out all the, the scenes of just Riley, it's like a minute and a half long. The whole movie. Maybe. <laughs> Something Fair. Like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes when no I think sense. about. Yeah, I, I hear you with like, especially with P. Doctor movies like with with up. It's like I don't know where that third act is going. But, but, ta- but, but talking about soul. Yeah, I mean, that without even having to compare it to inside it's just a matter of i what you're saying abe as well i mean i i like that it has a sense of like despite having this big world of you know other dimension as far as far as beings or what have you it's still like telling a very personal story to one character and just like what what he's going through and i feel like it, it does that very well and just to add on earlier you know you brought the 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 credits and i also you should definitely save those credits, folks, just in terms of like movie watching. It's it's great to see all all the people that worked on it. But yeah, they have a special thanks section. It's like I, I saw like names like Kenya Barrison, like Rank Googler, and then like uh they had like some authors and whatever. So I was like and and all the musicians like they had all the musicians they had in there, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Westlab, John Batiste, you know, and um all these jazz musicians. I think it was their, like their, it was like their culture trust kind right, of right. Yeah, but it was it's just great to have this kind of homework done in the production and then see the see the uh output but right. you know to your point david i which I, is something i hadn't thought about what is very true which is what if this had been just a p doctor straight white person movie and it's like yeah. i don't know it might have lost some things to it too i i know that the original ending was that the main lead was supposed to die at the end which you can kind of feel well, you can, in this you can one, see yeah. that. I mean, you can yeah. see, I can, you can see where that would happen in that version. Right. But again, I, it's, be, it's because it comes out of the writing, honestly. I, because I really like what's being said by both the Jerry of that scene and and of Joe as far as what he's coming. That makes it all work for me. Where it's like, yeah, there's this kind of edgier version where it's sacrificial and what have you, and that's a way to go. But I, I mean. I'm watching a Pixar movie. Like I, I'm, I'm happy walking out of the walk, you know, uh, theoretically walking out of the theater, being like, yeah, not only did it tell this story, but it gave me this kind of not just satisfactory ending, but one that like hit me in ways that worked. Uh, I, for again, for lack of a better way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's parts of it where they were alluding to where he he lived up to his his dream, and it wasn't what he thought it would feel like which is also a, like a subject matter that i think adult a lot of adults can relate to yeah it, yeah it's true and I, I almost thought that they were just gonna be like well he really loves teaching that's actually his true calling <laughs> and i thought that he would maybe want to like it sacrifice plays it, yeah it, like when you have the little girl that comes to his apartment to tell her she's quitting or whatnot like it, it, it's giving you these 
it's giving you ways to see, like I I'm not gonna say it's an unpredictable movie, but it is giving you avenues to go down as far as what this what this character could do. Uh, right. And, like one is yeah, one is he could just be like you know what this teaching job that I'm trying to reject is actually pretty good. Or you That's know what the, I... or, or even once he performs at the big show, uh, it you know it, like you just said it like he you know he's not completely satisfied by it. like he does a great job he's gonna keep playing but at the same time it's like well, it's not all I want it to be like there's ways. Right. Where it's trying to mess with you as far as what your, you know, what the goal of this character actually is before it finally gets to this. Right. Well, I, even well, though just... it was, even though it was Tina Fey that talked Connie out of staying in jazz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> While eating pizza, or was it a lollipop? <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. But yeah. And but even by I mean, the I... end, like it's not, you know, it's. I'm not gonna say it's entirely ambiguous, but it's not giving you an answer as far as what Joe did next. Like it's just saying he's gonna do what he wants to do. Right, I, I I understand that, but you know, there, I could see that there's a part of it where it could have been where he stayed in the soul world and be, and been a mentor, you know, or or if he lived his life again, he he would just be an actual teacher instead of doing the jazz gig. But I mean, it's fine leaving it ambiguous. It's fine. Um, right. I'm just in, in a Pixar movie. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe I kind of want something more definitive. Yeah, fair fair enough to hope. Uh, David, I'm curious. What, what's your top three? Top three is tied for first is Coco and in The Incredibles, okay. and then Wally's sec is the third. Okay. Coco jumped up. Wow. Yeah, that one. I, I don't know. That one just I really love that the way that I, I love the colors in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the movie is also very very good. But That's the thing. It's like, also yeah. one of the most col- more colorful ones, and I, I love watching it on television. It's like it's, it's when he probably, goes. To the it's probably the most colorful. Honestly, yeah. like <laughs> and th- this is like. For all the other rankings we have, David and I are pretty much aligned in this because yeah, it's for me, it's it's like a tie for first right now with Incredibles, Wally, I have Finding Nemo there, and Coco. Like those are my four. Like right. Finding Nemo in. is fourth for me. Yeah, there you so, go. I mean, so it's. <laughs> Where does the OG Toy Story rank for you both? Uh, they're they're the ones. The first two are the right after that. Okay, so they're fifth and sixth. Um. Toy Story 2 is the highest for me of Toy Stories, and I think that's six because it's Rat. Yeah, Ratatouille's after, um, after number Ratatouille's fifth, so then it's Toy yeah. Story 2, and then uh, I have Ratatouille right after Toy Stories. You guys are, you guys are almost. We're almost in, almost in, in Patago. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're right. That's that's. that's <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, that's I, I also have uh, Wally, uh, Incredibles, and and uh, Finding Nemo up there. So, where, where, where people really get on my back is how far down Inside Out is. <laughs> well, for you. If they, yeah, if they think about it more, I'm sure they'll get to that realization, which I also came to the realization with Up maybe like four years after I saw Up. I'm like, what? what is this yeah. third act? It gets it's, a little it, weird. Not even the third act. It's, you know, it gets a little it, weird after once it, you land. Right after the land. <laughs> Like I don't, right I don't land. It's, it's like, just right the end, land. like I David, mean, again, it's more like, like David, you dislike the South America. Like I think it's like okay, cool, they're in South America. Let's see what happens. And then it's like dogs talk. Like all right. <laughs> well, fly. yeah, they they, kind of, <laughs> they 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 jump the shark a little one like one too many times. Where I'm I'm okay with the house getting lifted up out of balloons. That was the one fantastical element that I'm gonna go with you on. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these talking dogs. And then you have this this old man fight, and then you have the dogs flying planes. I'm just like, well, you know, there's just too much. Yeah. 
it doesn't know what it wants. It, it knows it where it wants to be at the end, but it doesn't know how to get there. The, the and place, that's the same thing for Inside Out. The place where people differ from Abe and I is that we both like cars too. <laughs> like that's the thing. Oh, no, yeah, which is very strange. <laughs> no, I know you. I know you like it, David. I know yeah, that David but, likes but it. But Abe and I, like, like, yeah. this is our early stance. So this car's too good. That's, she was that's good. Our, that's our thought. Well, uh, you know, I need more of an argument uh, other than Mater is annoying. But that's, it's more like can... the world actually makes sense in Cars 2, and it's a fun spy movie. <laughs> and, um, I, and, uh, I, and I think Mater is generally enjoyable in Cars 2. Like, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. I think um, yeah, I think it's if you just look at it as a pure spy movie that's in a car's world, it makes sense. It it's logical. It works. It's not a and movie that, where it, it's not a movie where I'm like reaching for. It's like man, I need to watch a Pixar movie. What's up? Oh, here's Cars too. Let me grab that right two. now. But it's but it's like, I mean, it's yeah, car, it's Cars too. Like the the biggest thing at that. Why are we talking so? Much? The biggest thing about Cars too was I'll bring it back. As opposed to the first Cars, Cars where I'm like, how does this world work? And I know exactly. David, you like Cars more. The second Cars, Abe and I were like. How does this world work? I was intrigued by this. It's like, okay, okay there's boats. And they, like... Missile is cool. There's a government organization. Like, how, like I just, I was intrigued by all of these things. Oil jokes? It makes sense. Like, car, um, yeah, cars is one of... That's what you have to kind of go along with, is that the cars world exists. That's it. That's the, the house being lifted up by balloons in uh-huh. for, for Franchise. That's a great way to. That's a great parallel. It's like if you can't believe that a house is being lifted up by balloons, and then, or if you can believe that, why can't you believe that cars just have their own lives? Right. <laughs> to bring it back, where does P Doctor? We, you guys sort of touched upon it earlier, but where does P Doctor? Like, where does he rank for you guys in the Pixar world? <laughs> Karen. <laughs> I mean. Like I don't dislike any of these movies. I'll put it that way. Like I, I like I like what he I, I like his imagination. I like that what he tries out here. I, I I honestly I mean Soul is my favorite of his films. I also really like Monsters Inc. That's behind it, and then it would probably be like up and then inside out, uh, as far as like ranking his films go. Um I mean by talking already about our favorite Pixar movies, by default that would mean Andrew Stanton and Brad Bird are yeah. high, and I guess John Lasseter and his, you know, the people who worked on Toy Story, as far as like the, those films go. That said, I th- I think Pete Dark's a great talent. I think as far as like what you know in his films, they've all pushed things to varying degrees. When you, you, know, you look at like Monsters Inc. and you know animation wise, what's going on there, or you, you look you look at something like Inside Out, which is far more abstract than a lot of other Pixar films in terms of what he's trying to accomplish design-wise and conceptually. And then Soul just feels like it's taking it another step further as far as dealing with the afterlife. So, I mean, he, he's he's part of that original brain trust, if I'm not mistaken, right, David? He he is. And, yeah. And I, and I feel like, I mean, from what I'm seeing here, I, there's there's certainly a lot of, like, he has the he has the weirder set of films if you're looking at the different movies that these different guys have made. Mm. Yeah, he does. I and think, I think that, Monst- and I think that's commendable. I think he he threw us off by giving us a softy on Monsters Inc. You know, which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, because it's more, regardless of how successful they are, each of his other films are more challenging from then. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he basically okay. I did my my Pixar movie. Now I'm gonna go weird. Are you guys okay with that? And I think uh, I think they were for the most part, but I don't think they. I mean, with Up, it's clear that they just didn't know how to write that movie. Interesting. 
I, I I love so much of that though. You know, I, I hate being that guy. I wish it was great, but you know, people just don't remember the rest of the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Hey, Murray, do you have strong opinions on a uh, Pete Doctor? No, I mean, I, I not really, and it's more of that. Like, I I never really thought about him as like the weird Pixar director. Not that he's weird, but just more like weirder ideas. But when you when you consolidate everything that we've just talked about with with dog talking dogs for flying blimps um and old man fights and then also feelings yeah i i can see what you guys are saying because aside from that like is finding Nemo weird not really but at the same time like andrew stands just like it's it takes place in the ocean you know and that's that's what it is um yeah but I, no strong feelings it's more of like when i think about pixar i like his movies but he's not like the top echelon and not even that there's there's like minor differences in this echelon. I do want to I do want to point out just very quickly that Kent Powers is also credited with co-directing, and he he had a great uh, Twitter tweet about him uh, being the one that put in the New York Knicks joke um, <laughs> when 22 messes with with them. So thanks, Kent Powers. That was, that, was, that was a funny joke, and I was like, is that really the New York Knicks? It's like it it really is the New York Knicks. So. Yeah, and then there's a there's a guy that's wearing the the guy that's singing in the in the subway has a Knicks hat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cody Chestnut. Um, I mean, like you, you know, it takes place in New York, so they're gonna have to use these uh, New York things that makes it feel more authentic. Totally. In in like what I said, I I definitely got the vibe of it. You know, with the subway, with the way that they only do like really one overhead shot of 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 um the city so to speak um but i i really dug the feel of it good um i mean i'm never questioning pixar on their casting i always think they generally have like really interesting casts not just like big stars and some do but like you know ones that have interesting character actors filling up a lot of these spots and so you already have jamie fox tina fey who i do think are quite good here but the supporting crew you have david diggs felicia rashad angela bassett as dorothea williams uh Questlove huh. as curly yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Richard Ayoade, Rich Rachel House from um, um, the Taika Waititi movie Hunt for the Wilder People as Terry. Uh, yeah. Wasn't she Wasn't she Moana's yeah. grandma? Too? Yeah, she's in Moana and she's in um and uh, Thor Ragnarok. Any, yeah. anything she, involving she's Maori. in every Taika Waititi movie, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves casting her. Yeah. Um, and then the the one that got me was um Joe's barber Des, played by Donnell Rawlings. And I'm like, that's such a good role. And like, it's such a, like, that's my favorite scene of one of my favorite scenes of like the year, this whole barbershop sequence. So like having Donald Rawlings come in and like the way that he and 22 essentially are just like bouncing off each other in this conversation they're having and like what it means and every, like, there's just a lot there. I just really enjoyed. And like, yeah. and just the, it's just another, like, you could have, like, a, a bigger star or something play this, like, cameo role, but it's, like, it's just, like, a cool stand-up guy. He used to be on, like, Chappelle show stuff. It's, like, yeah. great. Good for him. <laughs> like, having this well, great that, role. Well, that's what Pixar does great, which is what you're getting to, too, is that they just, the voice talent doesn't have to be anybody huge. Mm-hmm. It's just that they like the voice talent, you know, and it really works out. So, um, yeah, maybe, like, some of the some of the main characters, yes, but, you know, like, Donnell Rawlings, people, like what you said, if you if the name doesn't ring any bells, it's because you don't know what he looks like. And then when you know what he looks like, you're like, oh, that guy. So he's, he's, he's the guy that said that uh, Spider-Man took his pizza in Spider-Man 2. <laughs> you know, uh, my, my, if we're talking about favorite bits, um, yeah. one of my favorite bits is when, in the beginning, when Joe is telling his mom about his new school gig. Yeah. And she, or she's telling him that he needs to take it. 
and mm-hmm. there's a there's a person that's she's poking with the needle mm-hmm. yes and it's just it's really you know you see her almost poke and she's she's wincing and that's yeah. the little stuff animation and i just i really love that yeah it, yeah that's just like Aaron and I talked detail. about this like with Pixar through the years, but it's like at, at one point I forget which one it was. We were just like, dude, they're so good. They just make they make everything in the background move now too. Um, and I forget what it was like probably like ten years ago or something like that when we first started this podcast. But it's like, yeah, man, like Pixar is just on their game. You know, I used to be looking for water because water is amazing to to animate, and it's like if they get it right, then they get it right. Um, and then now it's just like, yeah, if you pay attention to all the background stuff. It's pretty great, you know. Like they give a lot of texture and they give a lot of uh, thought and care. And to your point, uh, David, they give a lot of um, thought to what this person might be doing as well. You know, she's wincing and she's just like, "Please say yes." Um, and it happens not just with her, but with all these other characters, whether he's in the hospital or whether they're in the subway or whatever the case is. It's fascinating just to be like, yes, let's animate this entire world. Yeah, the layers, um, are, the layering is wonderful. In yeah, films. which is but why Coco like, works very well, too. Oh, Coco is ridiculous as far as the amount of stuff going on on screen. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but I mean, uh, do you guys think it's too realistic or is it uh, just right for you guys? I are you talking about like in terms of the way that it looks? I, yeah, because, because Pixar movies have gotten a lot more realistic in their rendering over the years and a lot of people are kind of like, man, I wish when it, it was when it was just more of a cartoon, and now it's definitely more. It's crossing the lines a little bit. It's 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 blurring the lines. I would say for this film specifically, I really like the photorealism as far as far as the environments that used exaggerated character designs to kind of make yes. up for it. Plus, exactly. there's a, there's a soul dimension in this movie, so it's like, I mean, I I I think yeah, and his I little soul I, wears a hat. Yeah, and I and so I and I think by having a photorealistic New York, I think that that helps balance out the idea of doing something so abstract as having a whole different plane of existence for people to be on. So it really, it it's not, it, it makes that line more distinct by doing it that way. And I, I appreciate that here. Whereas like the good dinosaur, I'm like, yes, it's impressive that it looks this good, but it's a movie about talking dinosaurs. Like, I don't, I don't know how far I'm supposed yeah, to go no, with this here. Movie about farming not not, not just talking dinosaurs, but like this weird... one's Billy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, hillbilly dinosaurs and like cave people with big heads still. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> I get if you want to play around, like, good job. You're testing out some really cool tech here, but it's like, I, I don't know how much this adds to the. It like, what, what, what's that? There's that scene where like, what I don't for, forget what the dinosaur's name, Littlefoot, um, when um, when the dinosaur gets like Arlo. injured, Marlo is that what it's Arlo Arlo. Dang, when Arlo yeah. gets like really injured and it's like scraped and has you know cuts and bruises on its legs, I'm like, well, that's I mean that looks great, but it's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. It like looks this good, but it's yeah. you know talking really dinosaurs. Yeah. Like great, uh, great nature designs. Yeah. But what about you, David? How how do you feel about this uh, um, technology? I'm okay with it so far. I'm okay with it so far. I think it does. There is a line though that they are like with Good Dinosaur. They got dangerously close to, and I think Good Dinosaur is. Well, first of all, that's just not a great movie. So I don't probably... think anyone's ever heard from Peter Son since. Oh, geez, that's too bad. I know. Asian American directors. Yeah. It's, it's weird that he they had keep... Pete Doctor shoot him to get his job as creative <laughs> creative officer. 
<laughs> is that uh, what Peter Sutton was before? He was the chief creative officer? No, it's just the chief creative officer is given the Pixar gun, and he has to take out whoever makes the flop for Pixar. Uh, That's why the director of Cars 3 is also dead. <laughs> oh, Josh Cooley is the... Wait, no. He's no, he's Toy Story 4, he's right? He's Toy Story 4, yeah. No, he's, he's very much alive. He has an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, I think he's working for another studio now, though. <laughs> yeah, he did, yes. <laughs> okay. But anyways... How dark yeah. can we take this? <laughs> Not dark enough. Yeah. No, but you're saying that it's it's on the precipice of getting to a level where you're uncomfortable with. Um. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't complain because, you know, all you have to do is look at Crudes, which is the competition right now, and it's like, I'd rather watch Soul for, for forever rather than right. another Crudes movie. Crudes 2 yeah. from Cruden? Yeah, exactly. Starring Ryan Reynolds. Who's directing uh, Lightyear? Do we know that yet, or did they just announce Lightyear? They just announced it. Okay. I thought that was like a TV show, not a movie. No, no, it's a movie. Patrick oh, wow. Warburg. Okay. When 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 I uh, when I heard the announcement of Lightyear, I also assumed though, okay, yeah, clearly that wouldn't be a movie. That seems like a dumb idea, but it feels good for a TV show. Nope, it's a full movie. The, oh, the origin story of the guy that inspired Buzz Lightyear. That's why I thought it was going to be a TV show. I was like, why would they make a movie out of this? But yeah, you know, I'm going to go see it then. I hope so. it's the Joker of Pixar movies. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, this is a masterpiece. And Aaron and I are the only ones that are like, this is some fucking bullshit. <laughs> Maybe David too. So back to soul. <laughs> yeah, back to soul. Um, we talked about the technical aspects. It looks great. Sounds great. Great, great score. I, mean, I think the score is all right. I think it's phenomenal. Oh, I okay. Stop. I can't yeah. stop listening to it. It's it's easy to listen to, but there's nothing. Uh, if I was to pick a favorite track, there there is none. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's no finding. Uh, it's no Nemo egg, huh? Well, Nemo only has like certain parts that I really love. Most yeah. of kind of. Uh, what's Nemo? James Newton Howard. James Newton Howard. Okay. Yeah. Thomas. That, that Nemo. Egg. Thomas Newton Howard. Thomas yeah, Newman. There we go. Yeah, that's right. I was like James Wally Newton also. is. Uh, I think we're, we're combining composers. James Newton Howard is Dinosaur and uh, Treasure Planet in Atlantis. I knew he had done wow. some scores. I'm trying to, I was just trying to think. We need yeah. to, I need to make more games when David's on, but just like Disney things. <laughs> I was like, you you know the composer to, to Treasure Planet? Yeah, it's great. Who doesn't? It's, yeah. it's better than the movie. It's an American classic. Yeah. Treasure I mean, Planet. you know, I like the song by, by uh, Johnny Resnick. Like, so. I thought it was. They're, I they're thought they did. Pops. I mean, I'm, I just, it's just not. I bought it, but it's not something that I'm like loving. Sure, I spent money to own it for the rest of my life, and I'm not going to say I love it. <laughs> He's a collector, man. He's like. I, I just collect. He does his thing. That's called hoarding, I think, at that point. <laughs> It's not as though he's he's not throwing things away. That I don't know good. that. Have yeah. you seen his room? It's all no. toys. <laughs> it's all toys. <laughs> it's all toys. All toys. <laughs> but enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> Grand transition back to the podcast. <laughs> Did you like Joe's haircut? Joe's haircut? His, his second one or the one that the cat makes? No, it... <laughs> Yeah, the second one. Because the one that can makes is actually kind of cool. I was like, I wonder if they should go for it, but... <laughs> Just go for it. <laughs> Just a buzz in the middle. 
I just, I again, I just really like all the details of like it's not just he got his hair, you know, shorter. It's showing Dez do all the little things he has to do to like make Joe's hair look, you know, yeah. make him look more presentable. Oh and yeah, but do- I mean, like in terms of like a barbershop thing, at any barbershop that you go to, like boutique or or big one, yeah, they're gonna give you the hot face towel. So yeah, exactly the hot face towel. Yeah. Any more thoughts on Soul? Mm-mm. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, Soul is currently streaming on Disney Plus. When should people go and see it? Should they put it right on the top of their queue? What should we do, David? Yeah, I'd say put it on the top of their queue. Abe. Yeah, this is a theater movie, and you should uh, watch it uh, top of your queue. Yeah, I, I, I think this is high tier Pixar and one of my favorites of the year. I think this movie's fantastic. So yeah, put it's on Disney Plus. Watch it. Do that. Do that now. It'll be there. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta, I gotta put down the mic. I gotta go watch this movie. Aaron it's, told a, me. It's, a, it's a great Christmas gift, honestly. As far as like a movie <laughs> that they could have charged you for, but they're like, here, just have this. It's like, all right, good. They're like, sorry for Mulan. We'll just let you have this. It would have been nice to, you know, see it on a big screen. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying I, I, you know, not being able to watch it that way and watching it on a fancy TV is like, yeah, that's nice too. But you know, there is a. Even, even you know, it's not it's not an action movie like Incredibles, but it's still like there's so much there going on that it'd be just nice to see all of this displayed in a you know a huge format. Sure. All right, that was our review for Soul. Let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get some feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash I know podcast. We ask a number of questions to our listeners, and that's what we're gonna do here. Abe, why don't you start this one off? First question is, what is your favorite setting in a Pixar movie? Chris writes Coco, the land of the dead. And Ruben enthusiastically agrees and says, Coco, um, do you guys have a favorite setting in a Pixar film? I mean, I mentioned earlier the ocean with Finding Nemo. If I'm going with, like, a place I'd like to live... (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to like phrase this properly because I feel like set there's a lot of cool settings in Pixar films. If I was going for like a place to live, Syndrome's Volcano Island seems pretty cool. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a really are cool you a megalomaniac? <laughs> Not yeah. necessarily need to go megalomaniac, but I mean he has like he has a room where you can just divide lava, and there's another room back there. That's hey, pretty cool with a, with a giant rock. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of effort for some privacy, though. He's a private guy. <laughs> He's already on an island. <laughs> and it's got an underwater cave system, too. Yeah, I mean, I would clean it out. I would make it different. Like, my, It would just be like a really big closet. <laughs> oh. you know? I divide the lava and it's like, oh, there's... Roller coaster tycoon it by, and change the, the setup. Yeah, I'd, cha- I'd change that around. I'd be like, I gotta get, get my favorite jacket. Let me get to my other room. And I have to open up this lava, <laughs> lava pathway. <laughs> there I am. There it is. Sitting there on the couch. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, let me ask you a follow-up question. Do all the employees live on the island? I mean, it's, they'd have to, right? Yeah, I would, yeah. I would assume. I, you I don't can't think commute they're into I the middle of the ocean every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good tangent there. Okay. Uh, how about you, David? Any any favorite settings? I really like that one too. And um, I, as far as like, yeah, living wise, I think I would. I, I think I like the mid-century modern design of the Incredibles and all that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah, I really kind of retro design to go for. It. Yeah. You know, it's fun, like not living there, but hanging out in that aquarium in the dentist's office and finding Nemo. 
I mean, they seem like they're having a good time for most days when they're not worried about escaping. I mean, yeah, if you don't mind, like, some guy telling you that the bubbles are his. You know, like, when, like, Jeffrey Rush's pelican thing flies in and they're talking about, like, dentist strategies. It's like, that's fun. They just have, like, a shorthand. <laughs> like, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, those dentists are probably much more qualified than some of the dentists that you see today. Yeah. I mean, those fish. What am I saying? He's been favoring that one lately. Yeah. Abe, how about you? Do you want to live in the in Wally land and just be like fat sitting on a thing all day? Well, no, that, that well, if it was Wally, <laughs> if anything, it'd be like the setting in space is nice. Not not on the ship, but when he's actually outside and floating around with Eve with a fire extinguisher. Oh, you want to be in the uh, nothingness of space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the vast nothingness of space and where nothing can survive uh, except for robots named Wally and Eve. Um, I mean, the, the axiom is cool, but. Uh, kind of, uh, it's kind of weird too. I don't, I don't want to be like all tubby and not being able to use my joints. They exactly. have a track. <laughs> uh, maybe before everyone gets all fat. <laughs> I was gonna say like I actually kind of like the world of Monsters Inc. Oh. Uh, like their their town because you actually get to go to like the Japanese restaurant. Monstropolis. Uh, Mm-hmm. And then also like their their work. It's like this is a giant building. Yeah. With a locker room that strangely has like, you know, it looks like a a, a factory. But anyway. Those are good places. There's a lot of good places. Yeah. Uh all right. What are some great films that deal with the afterlife? Graham writes Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Todd Liebenau also writes Beetlejuice and Coco. Don't say it again. Chris writes Enter the Void, Spirited Away, and not Beetlejuice, but he writes Coco. Yes. Uh, Ruben has Hearts and Souls. Irene has Defending Your Life and Ghost. Mm. Defending Your Life came up earlier. Yeah, Defending Your Life is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's finally getting a Criterion edition in March, and I'm very excited about that. So, yeah, that's my answer for this question. <laughs> favorite movies about the afterlife? Dealing with the afterlife? It just is a good call. We said it three times. Uh, well, I guess maybe does it take the same person to say it three times? No, anybody, right? It's just it's Candyman rules, so yeah, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, but other movies about the afterlife. Um, hmm. Not, when you put me on the spot, I can't think of anything. We'll yeah, just I'm assume sorry. you said Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then we'll also shorten and then say like we'll just assume you say ghost and you know you're screaming it or people are screaming as they're being taken away by shadow ghouls the frighteners here's a good one we'll go with, we'll go with ghostbusters there you go there you go i ain't afraid of no ghost who you can call somebody uh, else uh all right yeah. what's your favorite score from an animated film Todd has. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's your question. You want, no, hit it. You want to just do it again? No, no, no. <laughs> you were on a roll. I was letting you roll with it. Okay, I'm sorry. We're <laughs> leaving all that in. Todd has The Incredibles, friend of the show. We, a great score. I read. I read it because there was another late entry. That's why it was on my mind to read because I didn't want to forget this. Um, John John Van Dyke, friend of the show. He wrote Optimus Prime arriving to save the day in Transformers the movie with You've Got the Touch by Stan Bush. Not a score. Check the uh, song. <laughs> that soundtrack does rock, though. The Transformers I do movie soundtrack. It. It's a great soundtrack. Vince Nicola does a good job. I mean, all the Miyazaki films 
are have great score, usually by yeah. Joe Hisashi. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll throw in Atlantis by James Newton Howard. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, Hans Zimmer's Oscar-winning score for The Lion King. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh. His only Oscar. Yeah. I would say um, John Powell's uh, How to Train Your Dragon is great. That certainly stood up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Giacchino's incredible score, as Todd yeah. mentioned, is, you know, yeah. that feels like a default great. So, like, it's like, obviously, yeah. <laughs> like that, that score is so wonderful. I mean, it's yeah. so iconic, too. Like, so. I'll I'll throw Alan Mank in a bone with Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's yeah. I was favorite. gonna say like you know the Mank train, Mank. Um, <laughs> yes. Wrong wrong Mank. Oh oh sorry not that. Mank. What if they made a movie called Mank and it's M E N K and it's, <laughs> it's just, like, just and it's shot it's shot, it's shot black and white. It's still like him like cooped up writing music, but it's like the same kind of structure as Mank. But he's making the score to Beauty and the Beast. If 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 Billy Crystal is hosting the Oscars, that would that would be a that would slam dunk opening the opening credit sequence for the Oscars. But I would also again throw it out to to Beauty and the Beast, which has a terrific score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantasia, that's good music. I heard. That's well, classical. Uh, yeah, it's not I mean, technically an original know. score, but I mean the soundtrack is wonderful in Fantasia. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think it's all score. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of great ones there. So thanks for that question. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, the, that's that's out now. Feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Internet. You can find more of my work at thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also at Wise Blue We Live Entertainment. And um, I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can reference up over at uh, Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose. Hashtag 99 cent New York pizza. It's Even, great. Yeah, we're keeping we'll find more of your work online. Um, EndorExpress.net. I have my my Pixar ranking. You could read it all and uh, paragraphs of it, and then on Instagram as well, EndorExpress. You can find all the other episodes about now with their name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us your thoughts on Soul or anything else we talked about today over at outnetpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash Anna Podcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash Anna underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash Anna underscore podcast as well. David, yeah, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you so much, uh, David. Of course. Glad to have you as always. I look forward to having you back again. That's going to do it for this week's episode, but stay tuned for uh, more episodes to come because we have so much stuff to talk about in the uh days and like weeks wrapping up all of that's happened in 2020 as far as movies go but yeah until next time so long and goodbye we have so much stuff